Before I uh, jump into the sermon this morning, I just thought I'd take a moment and reflect on how great uh, the Harvest Festival was last week. Amen? Uh, when I was thinking about what the weather was like on Monday and Tuesday compared to the weather we had on Sunday, like I was just like, God was in it. Amen? Uh, because if we would have had the rain we had on Monday or Tuesday, like the whole day would have been, uh, would, would have been up in the air. But I just want to uh, say, first of all, uh, thank you to everyone here that helped uh, make it such a great day. And we had a lot of people. And so thank you for inviting your friends and your family. And, uh, and we continue to pray that, that God would uh, work in their hearts and in their lives and uh, that God would minister to them and help them to, to know Jesus. There were some people that, uh, in our church that went above and beyond. I mean, I, I just want to take a moment, and it's always dangerous because if I leave, if I don't mention your name, it doesn't mean that uh, you didn't do a great job. Uh, but I do want to recognize, like, first of all, Michelle uh, did almost all the decorating. So thank you, Michelle. And, uh, and then Marissa and her team uh, created a huge Thanksgiving lunch. And, and that was the real deal. Turkey and potatoes and stuffing and everything. It was, it was a great lunch. Uh, I'll recognize, and there was a lot that worked with the games and activities, but I'll recognize John and Now did a lot of organizing of the games, so thank you to them and, and their team. And, uh, and then Amanda and the worship team, it's harder to do outdoor worship. It takes a little extra team, so thank you for uh, a great um, uh, worship. And uh, lastly, I'll, I'll, well, actually, two more people. I, uh, I, first of all, I remembered... Uh, you know, we all receive the, those gift bags. In fact, if you didn't get a gift bag, uh, there are some on the table by the entryway, and uh, they were meant for everyone. So if you didn't get a gift bag, make sure you get uh, one of those. Uh, they're cream-colored bag, and it's got a Find Your Footing water bottle and some other goodies in it. But Julie and her girls put those together, so thank you to Julie Pan. And then lastly, and I know I'm going on and on with thank yous, uh, but there's a lot of people to thank. Uh, Andrew and the AV team did a great job uh, because they got to arrive early to set up for outdoor worship. So again, thank you to everyone, and most importantly, thank you to Jesus because he blessed us with a great day. So now, all the thank yous out of the way, uh, let me go and, uh, and take a minute and, and thank God in prayer and pray for the sermon today. Let's, let's pray. Father God, we, we just recognize that you are such a good God. And uh, we're thankful for, for the big blessings like our salvation and our new life in you. And we're thankful for the little blessings like you holding off the rain clouds. And... Uh, God, we're my, reminded in the big things and the, and the little things that you love us so much. God, sometimes we, we forget that. Sometimes we don't get our minds around it. In fact, I'm, I'm sure we don't fully comprehend how special we are to you. God, I thank you for each person that is here today. I thank you that you love them. I thank you that you want to speak to them and... Uh, 
And so, God, now we turn our attention to your word. We thank you for the great harvest festival we had last week. And, God, we look forward to the word that we're going to hear from you today. And, God, we pray that you would speak to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As has been mentioned, today's sermon is on the power of words. And there is tremendous power in your words. Your words can heal and can help, or they can hurt and they can harm. In fact, the most powerful thing you have in your life is your words. It has so much power to transform a life or even to destroy a life. There is tremendous power in your words. Uh, Your tongue, uh, what you use to speak your words is like a stick of dynamite. A stick of dynamite is fairly small for the explosive power that it has. But a stick of dynamite can be used to uh, blow up the side of a mountain so that a new road can be uh, paved. That's a good use for dynamite. But also we recognize that dynamite can be used for destruction because it can blow up an army in war. In the same way, we've got this little muscle, this three-inch muscle that's housed in your mouth that can be used for good in the building up of people or can be used for destruction in the tearing down of, of people. The power of the tongue has tremendous power. And so this morning I want to recognize that the Bible teaches that we are to be people used by God to speak God's word to bring words of life. Proverbs 18.21 says that the, uh, that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The power of, t- of the, the tongue has the power of life and death. Some of you are here this morning because someone has spoken words of life to you. They told you about the love of God. And maybe you have a sense of, of, of your value and your importance. You have a sense of confidence and security because someone spoke words of life to you. And you may come into this room also with deep hurts and wounds and insecurities. Maybe you lack confidence or maybe you lack a sense of your own value, your, uh, your own ability to be loved. And those, th- those deep hurts come from words spoken to you as well. could be recently. It could be even as a child. You see, these words have such tremendous power. We're going to look at how uh, words change lives, for good or for evil, from the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 50. And in this uh, this chapter, the prophet is reflecting upon how God has used words in his life. Because this man is a man of words. An Old Testament prophet was the mouthpiece of God. So his whole life has been full of words. And in verses 4 through 9, he's reflecting on the power of words in his life. He first of all talks about how he has received words from God, which is important for for us because we want to know how to receive words from God. And then he reflects upon the effect that words have had on others. He talks about how some of those words have been words of life. They've sustained the weary. And he also talks about how some uh, words, even though they were words of life, were rejected by others. In fact, he talks about how he was persecuted because he spoke the words of God. And so today's sermon on the power of words is to not only impress upon us that big picture idea, but it's also to give us a specific application. 
by the end of this sermon, I'm going to challenge you to think of one person this week that you're going to speak a word of life to. And we'll flesh that out. But I really think that this is such an important uh, sermon. I don't want you to leave this room until you, you have a word from the Lord that this is the word that you are to speak uh, to someone else. So this sermon is on the power of our words. Let's look at this together. Isaiah 50, I'm going to start at verse 4. So take out your Bibles or your devices or the words will be on the screen. But we're going to look at 4 and then I'm going to end it at the first part of verse 8. Uh, Isaiah 54 through 8a. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. Okay, just, just in case we weren't quite ready, that's a key sentence. Let me read that again. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The Sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. And I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. The first thing that I, uh, Isaiah says here is that the sovereign Lord has given him a well-instructed tongue. I love that phrase, though, a well-instructed tongue. Usually, it's kind of a play on words. Usually, we think of our tongue as the one giving instruction. Here, Isaiah talks about how he has had his tongue instructed. In other words, he's learned to speak things that are of value. He's, his tongue has been instructed. Anything good and valuable that we have, we've probably been instructed on how to do. Our first instructors were our parents, and they taught us some very valuable things to live a good and vital, uh, uh, valuable life. They taught us to eat our vegetables. They taught us not to hit your sister. They, they, uh, they taught you not to eat your boogers or whatever it is. They taught us very important things uh, from a young age. And when you get older, uh, they teach you more significant things. And then we've also had teachers and, and perhaps professors or coaches and maybe you've had a mentor that taught you very important things. Maybe you had someone who discipled you spiritually. They taught you very important things. Anything that we have of value in life, we've been taught. And the same thing for our tongues. If we are to have value in our words, we're going to have to receive instructions. And we receive instructions primarily from the Word of God. Now, when we come to the Word of God, we have to come with expectation that God is going to speak to us. Um, let me, uh, uh, as we get closer to Christmas, you're going, uh, you're going to buy presents that require assembly, right? You're going to get gifts and uh, uh, furniture or toys or whatever that you're going to be, that you're going to have to follow the instructions. Uh, I'm the type of guy, I'm a stereotypical guy, I try to put it together without the instructions. Like, you, you may be in the same boat as me. If you try to uh, uh, do it without instructions, and then you end up like this guy. 
And uh, that's usually me about midnight on Christmas Eve. My head down, frustrated, because I refuse to pull out the instructions until finally I pull them out, and then hopefully I can understand them. The same thing when it comes to God's Word. If we refuse to listen to the instructions, eat of our pants. And that's what we mean when we say we f- when a person flies off the handle. Something happens to them, and they have no well-instructed tongue. They're just going to react. And the same way happen, uh, this happens to us in our life all the time. We need to have a well-instructed tongue. A well-instructed tongue requires forethought and formation. A well-instructed tongue requires forethought and formations. So what do I mean by that? First of all, it requires forethought. In other words, there's a plan. A well-instructed tongue has a plan. Every instruction probably has a plan. You walk into class on the first day of school, and the teacher or the professor gives you a plan for instruction. It's a syllabus. It's a a plan. And uh, and the prophet gives his plan here. In verse 4, he says, He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. Right there in that sentence, we, he, we see little parts of the prophet's plan. First of all, it says he wakens my ear to listen. In other words, there's an expectation that he plans to hear from the Lord. A lot of times we don't know what to say because we don't come before the Lord with expectation that he's going to speak to us. And so because we haven't come with expectations, we don't receive from the Lord. Do you ever get scam calls on your phone? I get a lot of scam calls on my phone. You know, and I've gotten so many. I, if I don't recognize the number right away, especially like if it's an out-of-state number, somebody's calling me from Texas or something, I don't answer the phone because I don't really care to hear about what great deal they have on my next vacation. I'm just like, enough of it. Uh, I don't really care to hear the scam call. It's a waste of my time. But this week, I was expecting a call that I did not know the person's number. So on Wednesday, I had answered five calls in a row that I hung up on. And then I got another call from a a number I didn't know, and I answered it. And the person wasn't quick enough on the draw. This was the person I was expecting the call from. And they didn't say their name fast enough, so hang up. And they called right back, and this time they were like, this is so-and-so. Oh, yeah, I've been waiting for your call. See, the, re- uh, the reason oftentimes we don't read God's Word is because we treat it like a scam call. We don't expect to get anything out of it. It's a waste of our time. The first thought that we have to have, a forethought that we need to make up in our minds right now, is when we open up God's Word, He's going to speak to us. God has promised that. That He has promised that when we open up His Word, and, his, and it might be a different uh, word every day. It might be a word of conviction. It might be a word of encouragement. It might be, a, uh, it teaches us something new about himself. It causes us just to simply rest in his presence. To, as Amanda was talking about this morning, taking off that burden and laying it before the, before the Lord. He might give us guidance and direction on what he wants us to do that day. But, it, but the first part of our forethought, our plan, is that we come with expectation. The second part of our plan is that we need to come daily. Just like the prophet says here, he says, he wakens me 
morning by morning. You need to have a daily Bible reading plan. A plan to be in God's Word every day. And it could be something simple like, I'll be honest, my Bible reading plan is I read a chapter a day. And that's not a lot, but that's because I, want, I don't want it to be filled with just reading every second. I come with the expectation that God's going to give me stuff to think about and to pray about and to journal about and to sit with and let it sit into my heart. You might read a chapter a day. You might find a, a, a read through the Bible plan. You might find a reading plan on your Bible app on your phone. You might use a devotional like the Daily Bread. My dad read the Daily Bread every day. He still does. That's his Bible reading plan. In fact, I love the name, the Daily Bread, in part because it's daily, and secondly, because it's bread. God's Word nourishes us. It feeds our soul. Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, uh, uh, he was he was there for 40 days, and at the end of his 40 days, this, uh, Satan came and uh, tempted him. And one of the temptations that Jesus had was a temptation for his tongue to say something that he shouldn't say. Satan said, tell these stones to become bread. And how did Jesus respond? He said, uh, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, God's word is our bread. It's our food. If you go too long without eating food, you're going to become weak. If you go too long without reading God's word, you're not going to be strong spiritually. And so we need daily bread. We need a plan. That's our forethought. And then secondly, we need a well-instructed tongue needs formation. You see, when we talk about the plan, it's not just checking off a box Oh, I got that done on my to-do list today. Or it's not trying to earn brownie points before God. We come before God's Word so that our hearts are formed. And when our hearts are formed, then, the, then our tongues are transformed. Because it is out of the overflow of our mouth that our heart speaks. Or out of the overflow of our heart that our mouth speaks. I'm sorry, I got that backwards. Jesus said in uh, Luke 6.45, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So when we get well-instructed tongues, when, we get, uh, when God speaks to us and he forms our heart, then good things will come out of our, our words. Now, as we continue on in this passage, what's the result of a well-instructed tongue? A well-instructed uh, tongue has, verse 4, a word that sustains the weary. A word that sustains the weary. As we've been going through this Find a Footing series, Find Your Footing series, we've been talking about how we live in a very weary world. It, we're, just, it's, we're worn out from the pandemic, from everything that has gone on in our, in our world, what if you had a word to minister and to strengthen, to sustain the weary that God brings into your life? God and gutters go hand in hand. Did you know that? God and gutters go hand in hand. God loves to pe meet people when they are weary. God loves to meet people when they're down and out, when they're in the gutter. God offers his hand to pull them out and to place them on, on firm ground. 
And when we talk about a word that sustains the weary, God is giving us the opportunity to, to reach out, to, to speak a word for someone in their time of need. Because oftentimes it is not until someone is in the gutter. It's not until someone is weary that they are ready to hear the word of God. Jesus said it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so as we seek to have a well-instructed tongue, God will bring people into our lives that need to hear a word that will sustain them in their weariness. Is there someone at your work right now who is weary? Maybe they're overloaded with stress or anxiety and and just the, the burdens of work have got them down. Do you have a friend in your life that is struggling in his or her marriage right now? I've got about three or four. And, there, and, uh, and there's, there's a difficulty, there's a weariness because they've just been in conflict. And what if the Lord gives you a word to speak to them in the midst of their struggle? Or maybe, you've got, maybe you know someone who is weary just from life's concerns, life's burdens, whether it be health burdens, health concerns, financial concerns, other concerns, and God gives you a word to say that helps them in their weariness. I think there's four types of ways that God's words sustain the weary. All four of these start with E. There is encouragement, and then there is empowerment, and exhortation, and evangelism. All four of those are words to sustain, a weary, uh, to sustain the weary. I'm going to talk about these each individually. But if God were to strengthen you to be able to speak these four E's, you would have tremendous power. You'd have dynamite in your mouth to be able to cause a great good in someone's life. And so what, what is encouragement? Encouragement is simply to uh, tell someone, hey, you're doing a good job. To cause them to persevere, to recognize something in their life that is worth affirming and worth telling them to, be go- uh, to keep going that they're doing a good job. A small word of encouragement has tremendous power I've been uh, to the point where I'm just tired out, I'm weary, and someone will give me some little compliment, and it builds me up. It, it encourages me. It helps me to keep going. So when you see someone doing a good job at work, tell them good job. When you see someone caring for their kids, encourage them, hey, keep being a good mom or a good dad. When you see someone serving the Lord, let them know, hey, that pleases the Lord. And that's a wonderful thing you're doing. A little word of encouragement can make a big difference. Paul says, encourage one another and build each other up. Encouragement is biblical. If you want to be a good, godly person, one of the best and easiest things you can do is really become a person of encouragement. Be really liberal with your compliments. Just say them all the time. And be an encourager. It makes a big difference. The second thing is empowerment. And what I mean by empowerment is that you recognize something good or a gift in someone's life, and then you name that gift, and uh, you tell someone what you see in their life. I'm standing up here preaching this morning because someone once spoke a word of empowerment to me. And I'll never forget who it was. It was Tim Olson, and I was probably about 22 years old. And Tim came and said, you know, I I think the Lord is calling you to be a pastor. I see something in you. 
and it changed my life forever. I don't know if I would have recognized that calling if it wasn't for a word of empowerment that someone spoke to me. And you can do that for all kinds of people. It doesn't have to be career-type things. Just you recognize something good, a gift, a, a talent, an ability. And you name that, and you, t- and you affirm that in the person, and it strengthens them to keep going in that direction. A word of empowerment is tremendous. And then there is a word of exhortation. A word of exhortation is not so much fun as it's needed. But a word of exhortation is you recognize that someone is on a track that they should not be on. They're, they're, they've developed a bad habit. They've gotten into a relationship that they shouldn't be in. They, they're putting too much emphasis on it. They, they've made bad choices in one way or another. And you confront them in that with gentleness and love and humility. But you, you name that and then, you, and then you point them in a new direction that the Lord. That's a, that's a word of exhortation. And I know it's easier said than done, but that is a word of life. Because, people, uh, because people's lives can get on the wrong track. And we want to offer the hand up out of the gutter and uh, put their feet on the truth of God. That's a word of exhortation. And then lastly, there is the word of evangelism. Now evangelism is a big scary word to some of us as well. Uh, because you're like, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I could never do that. I could never knock on a door. Here, here's what evangelism is, because I think we get a lot of misconceptions. Evangelism is simply to tell someone that doesn't know Jesus about Jesus and how he can change their life. And tell me if you could not do this. Could you tell someone about what God has done in your life? Could you tell someone that God loves them and that and that, uh, that they have, that there is a life that is offered to them that is a great life. There is the forgiveness of sins. There is a sense of, of God's love. There's the Holy Spirit that guides them. And whatever it is, you don't have to have a huge big plan and a lot of theology and doctrine. All you have to do is tell them about what it looks like to live with Jesus. And you can speak a word of evangelism that obviously can change their life. That can set them in a new direction. You see, all four of these E's is so valuable. These are words of life. But before you think it's easy, it's not easy. In fact, uh, oftentimes when we speak these words, they won't necessarily be received well. You'll speak words of exhortation or evangelism or even empowerment, and it will be rejected The prophet said, I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking or spitting. You know, when I think of our young people in our our church service, those that are in middle school and high school and uh, and even college, you you live for the Lord and you stand stand for the Lord in school and you will be mocked. Eventually, uh, it... It will not be easy. But I encourage you to stand strong because Jesus was mocked. And it is words of life, even when it is not easy. And to all of us, we sometimes get so concerned about what others think of us. We get concerned of whether the words will be received or not. It doesn't matter whether the words are, be, are, are received. That's not up to you. 
You can try to speak them with as much winsomeness and attractiveness as possible, but that's up to them and that's up to the Holy Spirit that works in their heart. Your responsibility is simply to speak the words of life. And they will not always be received, but we make up our minds that we're going to do it anyway. It's like the prophet says here, I have set my face like flint. He's bound and determined, even when it's not easy. Even when he's persecuted for it, he's going to speak the word of God. And so my challenge for you this morning is make up your mind. This week, here's the application. This week, would you make up your mind right now to speak a word of life to someone? So let's be real uh, specific. You need to think of a, a name, a face in your mind right now that you're going to speak a word of encouragement to or a word of empowerment to or a word of exhortation or a word of evangelism. Is God laying upon your heart someone that you could speak a word of life to this week? Oftentimes we don't anticipate it coming, but here's your moment to go out of your way, to set your face like flint, to say, I'm going to do it. This week I'm going to give someone a call or I'm going to get together with coffee with someone or I'm, going to, uh, or I'm going to seek them out at work or whatever it is, knock on a neighbor's door. You're going to go out of your way to speak one of those E's. And it's a word of life. Whether they receive it or not, that is up to the Lord. We are simply re to be responsible to speak it because in the end, what we say, if it is with a well-instructed tongue, if it is from the Lord, it will be shown to be right. The prophet speaks of vindication in verses 7 and 8. Surely the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. If you try this week to speak a life-giving word to someone, I'm going to claim verses 7 and 8 as a promise that God will help you and you will not be disgraced and you will not be put to shame. That doesn't mean that it'll be received by everyone equally, but God will help you and that word will be a seed that is planted in them. In the end, vindication comes because of the person of Jesus. Isaiah 50 verses 4 through 9 is what we call a servant song. There are four servant songs in Isaiah. And, uh, and a servant song is a song that has double meaning. It's first of all true for the servant who wrote it, in this case the prophet Isaiah, but it's also looking forward to a future servant, to the person of Jesus. And so think about this in this psalm. Jesus is the one who ultimately gives a word that sustains the weary. He's the one that gives words of life. And he is the one, as this passage talks about, who was beaten, who offered his back to his persecutors, who had his beard pulled out and was mocked and was spit upon. And he did that upon the cross. And he is also the one who vindicates and will be vindicated. The resurrection proves that he is true and right. And one day he will come back and once and for all, he will set all things to rights. And so this morning we gather at the communion table to remember Jesus and what he has done for us. 
You know, we almost didn't do communion this month because we usually do it on the first Sunday of every month and we weren't going to do it on Harvest Festival, just too much going on. And, uh, and then we have uh, thought, you know what? Uh, God has been so gracious to us with such a wonderful Harvest Festival. And God has been so gracious to us in our lives that it would just feel so good to come with the, with the wafer and with the juice one more time and reflect upon how much God has done for us. So the communion table this morning is a table of gratitude. I just encourage you to sit with this and be reminded of all that God has done for us and how much he loves us, that his body has been broken and his blood has been shed uh, so that we can have new life in him. And then as we think about this, in what this uh, little cup represents, I encourage you to think about that person that you're going to talk to this, uh, this week and give them a word of life. Give them one of those E's this week. And I encourage you that, that you would pray that God would help you to speak the words that you would have for that person. So today is a time to reflect and to be grateful. It's also a time to pray and to ask that God would use you to make a difference in someone's life. The ushers have some extra elements. Does anyone need uh, communion elements? Put your hand up and keep it up. Hold it and they will come around and bring some communion elements to you. The Lord Jesus taught us to imitate what he did with his disciples before, his, before he went to the cross regularly. And so that is what we do here as a church when we gather around the Lord's table. Let's commit this time to the Lord. Father God, I thank you that we have this time, these quiet moments now, just to reflect and to be thankful for what you have done for us. When we think of all the words that have been spoken to us, we're very thankful that you've brought people into our path that have spoken words of life to us. And God, we're also thankful for the blood of Jesus that washes away words of death that were spoken to us. We're thankful that our lives are ultimately defined by your word to us, that we are your children, that we have been saved and we have been forgiven. And that there is nothing that can separate us from God. And so God, with, as we sit with these communion elements in our finger, and as Rod uh, plays the hymn, I pray that you would impress these truths upon us once again. And if there is anyone here that has not received you as their Savior and Lord, I pray that they might be able to think about that during this time. And if they want to receive you today, I pray that you would just touch their hearts and Help them to place their faith in you. So God, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
I encourage you to take out the wafer and we'll eat this together. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat. with the cup. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink. God's word goes on to say, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father God, we thank you again for the sacrifice that you have made on the cross for us. That your body was broken and that your blood was shed so that we could have new life in you. And we recognize that you died on the cross, but you did not stay dead. That after three days, you, you rose from the dead. And so, God, we know that you are a living God who is alive and still speaks to us today. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.